I'm even going to record you getting ready, and we'll see if we get any bloopers in there. Are you going? Yeah, it's recording. Hi, good morning. Hi, good morning. Did you intuit that I would be late? <laughs> no, I didn't. Ginger and I have been making intuition jokes uh, at each other uh, for the past day or so. Yes. Um, I intuited that I would be late, but I still overrode it with my thinking and talked myself into, you can make it. Interesting. Okay. okay. Isn't that interesting? We'll allow that to be part of our uh, discussion today. Okay. So, welcome to Super Together. I am James Cochran. And I'm Ginger Rafis. Uh, Ginger, you're going to need to get way closer to your microphone. Hi. I was yeah. going to say the late Ginger Rafis, but that's kind of sad. Yeah. That w- <laughs> from, from beyond the from grave. Beyond. <laughs> So today we are talking about intuition. This is the second episode in the two-part intuition series. We kind of took a little detour for a few weeks talking about um, uh, race and what it means to be allies and thinking about how we're uh, learning through this season, Um, but wanted to make sure that we circled back um, to this topic. And in our first episode, we kind of talked about what is intuition? How do we understand it as a Um, a part of who we are, uh, this kind of lived experience that we have. We actually didn't get into much relationships in terms of how intuition shows up in relationships. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today since it's a relationships podcast. Um, So uh, Ginger, what do you got? Well, you know, it's so interesting to me because I was thinking about how you and I work with people that might be getting an intuitive hit in a relationship mm. and they're wondering, is my spouse or partner being faithful to me? Um, it, am I missing something? I feel like there's something weird going on, but I don't know what it is. And I think that we hear these things a lot and it really, to me, is indicating intuition. It's, mm. it's indicating this sense that we have as humans that we know something, but we don't know how we know it. Right? Yeah. It's this deep yeah. feeling. And I think in, episode, in our first episode on this, we talked about that body, um, gut feeling, nudge, uh, deep knowing. These words we use that kind of embod- are more embodiment words, mm-hmm. describing this isn't in my head, this isn't cognitive, this isn't thinking. This is a feeling I have that's like a physical sensation almost of this Mm -hmm. deep knowing. And so I think in relationships, it comes up a lot in, um, I feel that something's off. I feel Mm -hmm. that there's something we need to talk about, or I feel that we're um, wedging apart. Um, Mm -hmm. It can also be, that's kind of a negative context, but it could also be a positive context of, um, I feel really great with this person. Mm-hmm. I'm dating and, you know, I feel like my future could be with this person. But again, it's those words feel. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I think that I was, I process things in terms of analogies and I was thinking about where does intuition have value and where is relying on it exclusively or too much potentially problematic. And so that's kind of like the dividing line um, that I want us to think about a little bit today. And you can lower your microphone a little bit if you don't want to be (laughs) quite so high. It's probably a good Um, exercise in posture. Yeah. Um, We're, we're socially distanced. And so um, I had to guess uh, at the height of the microphone and I imagined Ginger as being taller than you were. I wish I was. I could use like five, seven was always my dream height. Yeah. 
yeah. but five five is all I got. My doctor told me that I was going to be six foot. Oh, interesting. And I, I held that in my heart. <laughs> All my life, they said. They said, "Yeah, based on where you're going, you're gonna end up about six foot tall." That was his intuition. And I got it was her intuition. Oh, Ah. what a horrible assumption! (laughs) Oh, that's fair. People of the world, I am so sorry I did that. So she thought. I don't know where the chart said that, but I I I got to about five eight. I don't know when I was in middle high school, so sophomore year probably. And then I just said, okay, just hang on. You know, I got, I got 10 years till I'm done growing or so. And I'm going to, but I'm going to get to six foot. And I never did. I'd stayed at five, eight. So, um, so in thinking about an analogy Mm -hmm. for how do we divide this, um, boundary between where it's useful and where it's not useful. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about Wikipedia. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) Wikipedia is a good place to start. Um, it, it, it can give you a, um, some kind of cursory information, a, a lot of like very sort of hard, verifiable facts you'll find present there. You'll also find like um, some references to other resources. Um, but because of the way Wikipedia is managed, it wouldn't be something that you would want to rely on exclusively. Now, I'm not making a claim about what's the most accurate piece of information. I think Wikipedia is great, generally speaking. Um, but I think in the same way, you wouldn't want to rely exclusively on intuition in navigating an interaction with your partner. Um, at some level, you're going to want to rely on your own past experience, uh, what they have to say about an actual experience. So like one of the things that we tell couples in conflict management is try not to read your partner's mind, right? Uh, try not to make a lot of assumptions and guesses about your partner's experience. And there's a lot to be said for, um, you know, it's intuition up to a point and then, then it becomes mind reading, right? Then it becomes, um, assumption making. Um, and so really, um, allowing intuition, I think to inform your experience, but not exclusively inform your experience is kind of the, the challenge that I think we find ourselves faced with in terms of how to, how this shows up in relationships. Oh man, that's so good. Cause I love this idea of it's a place to start. And I'm actually feeling like for me and my personal journey, I'm learning that it's a place to finish. Mm. Yeah. So it's interesting because I think I have historically started more cognitively and then I'm learning now in my 40s to try to tune more into intuition. So I, I love this idea because I think you're right. As far as facts um, go, it is a good place to start, but then think broader of what might my biases be from past experiences what might i be you know projecting or mm-hmm. deflecting um what might i be in my own insecurities kind of imagining in my brain and this isn't you know is this really intuition mm-hmm. or am i kind of making this up and so i think that that's a really good analogy um but i think circling back to intuition and and maybe it's a gender thing too i think that we talked mm. in our first episode about how kind that we get conditioned away yeah. from our trusting our intuition and um we might feel like we made some bad decisions based on intuition so we're going to be more careful um but i think that there's there's truth in intuition i find more and more as I age. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so, and I don't know if you've seen this, but I do feel like a lot of the people I work with, when they had an intuitive hit in a relationship, it actually was pretty accurate. They kind of talked themselves out of it for a period of time, but then they circled back to, 
you know what? I should have listened to my intuition. I don't know. Have you found that in working with people? Yeah. And as you were talking, I was thinking about the ways that, um, in, in terms of being conditioned out of intuition, um, one of the common sort of conflict patterns that you will see in relationships is, um, you know, I, I didn't like the way now, again, I try, I'm trying to think of how I would, how I would want couples to say this versus how I actually see couples saying this, but it's usually something along the lines of, um, you know, you were being really mean in the way that you shared that with me. Now, we would want to try to reframe that in terms of eye position and naming your own experience versus the way that your partner was experiencing things. But the the message there is I, I received a certain experience from you. Now, what will often happen is the other partner in assuming a posture of defensiveness, which is something that, you know, we would also try to challenge, will say, but what did I, what did I actually do? What was the behavior, the sort of verifiable thing that I did that signaled that I was, I mean, I didn't raise my voice. I wasn't using words that were mean or those types of things. Um, you know, the, and so then, the, and then the conversation just kind of deflates in a way um, that neither partner really feels understood or felt in that. And that is, I think, a space where intuition usually shows up um, because there are so many things that go into an interaction maybe about it's you think about the iceberg analogy right like like there's some of it that we can see you know like we can see tone and um the words that people use and the posture that they assume but then there's probably this cascade of of things this this myriad of things underneath that that we don't necessarily have the capacity to give voice to that we can't summarize cognitively as effectively as we want to um so i do think that it is um hard sometimes when somebody says okay well let me try to wrap words around my intuitive experience. Um, and then that, that kind of leaves partners in a place um, of disconnect. And ultimately that is why, you know, whether or not your partner, I mean, a lot of the tools that we give couples is, is really about naming your own experience. You know, I feel, uh, frustrated, anxious, um, disconnected, whatever it is, as opposed to you were doing this because we can't necessarily, um, pin that down as effectively because it exists in that space of intuition. So I do see intuition as being fairly reliable. I think that the challenge is when couples retreat to the exclusively cognitive, um, verbal, you know, verifiable, definable space, um, it becomes really hard to, um, to kind of pin down intuition. It's like something that exists kind of just on our peripheral vision. And then as soon as we turn to look at it, it kind of escapes our notice. Um, does that make yeah, sense as sort totally of way of thinking about sense. it? Yeah, I love that. And, and in listening to you, what was coming to mind is how we kind of should on other people mm-hmm. and should on ourselves. Like you should behave this way or you should have done this, right? We do that in relationships. We also, um, I think have to discern that a little bit in how, in our self-talk with trusting intuition. Mm-hmm. So do I feel like this is something I should do, right? Are there expectations? So I'm going to use staying in a relationship as an example. Um, Should I stay in this relationship because um, my partner doesn't have a job right now and it would devastate them if I got out of this relationship or my family expects me to stay in this relationship. So then we're we're kind of shoulding on our intuition, right? And Mm -hmm. I think that that you articulated that too as as this you language versus I language so you should do this and instead um, I need to see my responsibility in this so that exists in a 
partnership. But I also think there's something to look at in our self-talk of are we doing that also? Mm-hmm. Um, which is I feel language versus you should self-talk, right? You should stay in this relationship for the following reasons versus I feel I need to get out of this relationship. Um, so there's kind of a nuance there too that's really interesting and I haven't thought beyond thinking out loud right now. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. This, this shoulding thing kind of seems to come up with how we condition away from intuition maybe and focus more on expectations rather than mm. our, our deep knowing. Yeah, I like this idea of, of deep knowing. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, there are a lot of writers who will talk about um, uh, post-enlightenment. We got into a place where reason became the be-all, end-all mm-hmm. of human experience, mm-hmm. uh, where the the only way of being was being rational. You know, you, you know, someone is is if someone is distressed, hey, be reasonable. You know, be you know, uh, you know, use use your head. You know, mm-hmm. uh, think this through. Um, you know, there's there's all kinds of things that that sort of became the pinnacle of our experience. And while that's great, um, reason as a, um, I'm not saying reason hasn't been around for a long time, but the idea that um, as a society in the West that we place so much value on reason, that's a newer thing. Um, Sort of left to our own devices, um, I think it's far more likely that we will use a combination of reason and intuition in a very dynamic, um, you know, we, we start at one place, circle back through another place. Um, but anymore, it feels like reason has the final word um, in the way that our society sort of shapes things. Um, you know, it's it just says, um, yeah, you might intuit all these things, but but use what are your values? Say, use your head. You know, what is what is the um, you know the pro and con list of how these things would actually shape out? Um, and then we don't necessarily um, get to the same place um, in terms of the outcome that feels most authentic for us. Yeah, totally. You know what you reminded me of is is having these discussions in seminary about kind of the age of enlightenment and how reason kind of took away spirituality in a sense. Mm. And I see that even in our church experiences, you know, feeling the the service or the presence of God mm-hmm. or being, um, you know, I think black churches are so much more in tune with the Holy Spirit and kind of tuning into feeling during a church service than, um, than in many of the church services I've attended were kind of buttoned up and, mm-hmm. you know, why is that person crying next to me? And and this, I hope nobody raises their hands up and then, you know, I don't yeah. know what to do when these other people like have these moments with the music of swaying. And, you know, we, yeah. I, I watch very uncomfortable people in church services often kind of not letting themselves feel this ex- spiritual experience they're having. And when I visited black churches, I just am so... I'm so inspired by like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, they're loud, letting themselves feel this and they're in it and it's just so amazing. And I wish we, you know, I wish my church environments could learn from that. So that's kind of this getting at this reason um, we shut down this sensory experience mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And I think that's part of this kind of subconscious conditioning that we are all, you know, maybe living in in North America a little bit more than other places um, of reason being this cognitive processing being kind of, um, I don't know, maybe a more civilized way of being. Mm-hmm. Um, and civilized yeah. in air quotes, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I raised my eyebrows, but you can't see that. <laughs> yes. Um, so, and I think I can't help but think there's some 
there's some self-worth issue going on kind of under this issue of trusting intuition, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and maybe that's part of um, what's coming up in our discussion too in relationships is, is this idea of I'm worth saving or I'm worth tuning into my feelings or I'm worth tuning into my intuition. Yeah. Or even that my, my experience is valid on its own. Yeah, exactly. yeah. That there is a, I think about again, that example of, um, you know, I, as a result of our interaction, I had a particular experience and then the partner responds with like, prove it. Yeah. You know? And so, and yeah. so it's like, well, if you can't prove it on paper, um, then it won't hold up in a court of law yeah, and there, exactly. you know, therefore you don't have, you haven't had this experience. Exactly. Um, and so I think that a lot of people, you know, convince themselves it's like, oh, well then, then that experience, that that intuitive um, way of being, just must not have validity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that leads to, um, as we deny it, that leads to a place of um, of, of, of potentially inauthentic being. It's possible that like that you're um, following a completely rational path individually and in relationships will lead you to an authentic place. Um, but if it does, it's, it's, that's probably just a stroke of luck in reality, honoring both of those experiences, the intuitive experience in conjunction with the sort of cognitive rational experience, um, is what's going to, um, get you to a place where, um, you're able to sort of fully honor who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, I think about, um, you know, the, so psychotherapy as a field, um, has gone through a lot of different uh, movements. Um, they called them forces. I don't know if they still mm-hmm. call them that. That's but an like, interesting so there's, word. Um, so like first force uh, was um, psychoanalysis, Freudian um, delving deep into the subconscious um, and, um, you know, psychosexual development very much mm-hmm. um, informed that. And really, um, in terms of talk therapy, um, it, was, it was pretty much just him. Um, a lot of the early, you know, of early psychology as a field, like going back to Wilhelm Wundt in um, Leipzig, I think e- our listeners can tell me if I'm wrong. Um, I used to teach basic psych, so oh, I feel cool. like I'm supposed to know all these okay. things. Like early psychology was like studying reaction times in a lab. Like how, like you see a light, how fast do you hit a button? You know, what's yeah. going on sort of under the hood. Uh-huh. Um, and then um, Freud came along first for psychology, tried to, um, help people navigate neuroses by focusing on their inner world. And then um, the um, behaviorists, second force, uh, folks like B.F. Skinner, um, John Watson, um, John Watson, James Watson, Watson, um, uh, came along and said, um, hey, this is way too loosey-goosey. You know, again, this is Um, This isn't going to hold up in Uh in a rational world, right? We need to be far more focused on um, the behaviorism, the the, the actual, the products that we're seeing. We don't, we can't agree on what's going on under the hood, so we just have to focus on the behaviors. Um, And so, um, so that led to, you know, the um, like operant conditioning and, um, you know, uh, like Pavlovian, um, you know, Mm -hmm. conditioning, those types of things. Um, All this focus on what we can understand and know about a person is just focus on the actual behaviors that we observe. Um, and then, then you have this 
generation of um, humanists, uh, humanistic psychology, which is, you know, folks like uh, Carl Rogers and Maslow and the people that are, or pers- you know, like a person-centered kind of approach, um, focusing, well, like, let's, let's just try to focus on making people's lives better, like, like and, and incorporate all of this. Um, and one of the people that I appreciate most um, in, like, my own practice is this guy, Albert Ellis, who was, he was, he sort of took and adapted, um, w- was a, um, uh, a contemporary of, um, um, is it Beck, Aaron Beck, the uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, and uh, basically said, okay, the cognitive stuff is great, the behavioral stuff is great. So, but he developed a process called rational emotive behavior therapy, REBT, uh, which is a mouthful. But it, what one of the things I love about it is that right there in the name, rational, rational emotive behavior. Like we're looking at all three yeah. of these dimensions in, in cooperation with each other and saying that all of them have value. All of them inform your way of being. All of them inform your experience. Um, you know, use some sort of um, stoic and um, uh, philosophy to sort of uh, derive this idea that our, the way that we view the world um, really shapes our experience. Um, but I think that it's, I think, I, I don't know why I, I just spent four minutes on a history lesson. It's cool. Um, I like it. But I think that what it points to is that there is a, um, that the broad history of understanding people, um, at least if we would look at that in the, um, the history of like the modern West, mm-hmm. um, has really been focused on um, how do we nail down the things that we can actually study, verify, mm-hmm. um, put into really yeah. neat categories and boxes, and intuition doesn't lend itself to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we haven't really been taught how to honor our intuitive experiences, and the places that do um, aren't highly regarded in like in academic thought, right. aren't highly regarded in um, capitalistic corporate spaces. Um, you know, it's... Um, if, if there was a CEO who said, well, I made this uh, business decision because, you know, my, my intuition, my gut was telling me this was the way to go. Uh, I don't have any numbers to support it. Uh, I, there's, there's really nothing um, informed by, um, you know, the, the data that would drive this. Um, like that CEO is going to be in the hot seat, you mm-hmm. know, very quickly uh, because, again, it's not very highly regarded to allow intuition its own mm-hmm. uh, place to stand on. Yeah, that's that's so true and yet there's something I admire when somebody has the courage to say trust me I'm Mm -hmm. following my gut right that's more of an artist approach a little bit as a CEO or more um yeah but you're right it's still bottom line driven in our economy and we yeah I think we value one more of the other the the um religious equivalent of the progression you spoke to in psychotherapy would be kind of landing in John Wesley's approach to Mm. this he it was named after him as the quadrilateral uh, model. But Wesley spoke to this kind of four-pronged approach to um, to discerning uh, whether something was, um, you know, God's intent for you or, you know, your cognitive processing. Mm-hmm. And his four things, kind of like Ellis's RB, REBT, was reason, tradition, scripture and experience personal mm-hmm. experience and that's kind of an interesting grouping too of mm-hmm. he, there is a nod to intuition and personal experience and even cognitive reasoning and then he kind of nods to tra- tradition what has religion taught over the years 
um, and that's probably the piece I discount the most mm-hmm. <laughs> personally. Sure. And then um, scripture also as a guide, right? A, t- a, a kind of 2000 year uh, wisdom uh, source. But the, the piece of personal experience and reason kind of nods also to this uh, discernment process of how much of it do I base on my feeling versus mm-hmm. thinking it through and yeah. and some proof sources maybe. Yeah. And that, you know, circling back to how that, all of those interrelated dynamics show up mm-hmm. in relationships. Um, and again, thinking yeah. about that line that we're exactly. trying to find of, of where do we say, yes, rely on your experience or also find more information. Um, I think so much of it is, it be, maybe begins with a piece of self-worth and saying, mm-hmm. yes, my intuition is valid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll just tell you, like, neurologically, your intuition is valid. You mentioned this sort of artistic approach. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned in the first episode the idea that a, a quarterback, you know, takes two and a half seconds to make a did. pass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's yeah. the, the sports wouldn't exist yeah. without intuition. Exactly. They don't have the time for rational cognitive processes right. um, when they're, you know, executing those behaviors. They're relying on... Um, the the hundred million neurons that exist in our gut um, that don't engage any higher cognitive functioning, mm-hmm. and in doing that, um, they're able to they're able to do things successfully most of the time, sometimes unsuccessfully, but at at an equal or higher rate than they would if they were relying exclusively on yeah. their cognition. Um, so first, I think you say, like, yes, I intuition exists; it's real; it has value, mm-hmm. um, and I also want to make use of um, higher ways of thinking and also approach this with the humility that I might be wrong, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So, you know, I'll I'll have couples sometimes where there is a discrepancy in sexual desire. One partner wants to have sex more than the other partner does. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, the, um, the partner that doesn't want to have sex as often um, their intuition might tell them, Oh, you know, my, my partner probably is so fed up with me. They're so, you know, tired of being rejected and not wanting to have all these types of things. Um, and, and, but if they project that onto their partner, um, they might be missing a broader truth that exists in their partner, which is like, yeah, I might want to have sex more, but, but there's more to it than that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so instead if we say, um, you know, I, this is how I feel about this dynamic, but, but I will acknowledge that it might be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where I think we invite our partner's participation in the process and say, Hey, I'm getting the sense that you might be feeling frustrated with, um, you know, how often we're having sex. Uh, but I, but I want to allow you to be a part of this process. So again, that's the, we start with maybe the intuition, um, but we invite the possibility that we might be wrong and that there may be things that we're missing that we may need additional information. Um, and as you mentioned with this kind of intuitive hit, I think that we are, what we will find is that we are largely right, but we're rarely 100% right. Um, it's, I imagine um, how intuition evolved in us and it's like, you know, you're, you're looking through the bushes and you see something there and you're pretty sure it's a predator. Um, and your intuition says, you know what? I bet that's a tiger based on how things are moving. And then it emerges and it's actually a bear. Well, it's still a predator. You still might want to run. It's, it's going to inform your decisions in a similar way, but it might be a little bit different. You know, if it's a bear, you know, maybe you, um, I don't know. I don't know what you do in a bear with a bear or a tiger, but I'm sure that there's different approaches, right? Um, yeah, I love this idea of humility. That's really, that is really kind of, I think, summing up a lot of, of, the points we've made in this mm. of 
I am going to, I'm going to honor my intuition. I'm also going to admit I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really a healthy dynamic in a relationship of, you know, voicing this. I have this feeling something is going on. I have this feeling we've grown apart. I have this feeling um, you're the person I'm supposed to spend my life with, whatever the, the feeling is. And then kind of this maybe question mark at the end a little Mm -hmm. bit my voice even rose as I was giving those examples of like is it is that real is this Mm -hmm. is this true and so back to your Wikipedia example I do think that holds up as it is a place to start Mm -hmm. it's a place to start the exploration and um and to trust that there is value in your intuition but Uh, also taking the risk that I could have it wrong. And I think that in my personal experience, I have often talked myself out of it cognitively before I ever trusted that there Hmm. may be truth in it. And so my own work is to honor, this is what I'm feeling. I fully admit I may have it wrong and I need to think it through and talk it through um, with you or with somebody, you know, my partner or somebody. But, um, but here's what I'm thinking and feeling and help me process it. And I think that gets at kind of the art of communication in all of our relationships. Yeah. 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 And how important it is to um, voice what we're thinking and feeling and then offer room space to help to have someone help you refine it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I think is a, is probably the combination um, that we're, that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it, there's so much about this that is going to be uh different based on the individual, based on the relationship. But what feels true in all of this is some measure of saying your intuition is real. You have every right to rely on it um, as a part of your decision-making process. Mm -hmm. And you should also recognize that your intuition, just like your cognitive reasoning, just like every other part of the human experience, isn't going to be right 100% of the time yeah. or isn't going to be 100% right when it is being deployed. Um, so inviting a sense of humility into the process that allows you to say, um, this is what I'm thinking and feeling. Mm-hmm. Help me understand how, how right I am, how wrong I am. Um, you know, and, and one of the, th- I think the things that's true about um, intuition as with many other things of the human experience is the more we, um, allow it to inform us the more it will inform us correctly Um, and again the more we ignore it and sort of condition it away the harder it is a to know if we can trust it but but really to um, to listen to all the different nuances of what it has to say Um, you know it's um, I had a client yesterday this is not me bragging but maybe it is me bragging Um, you know we're just like like, how do you do that? Like, I, I just, I read their facial expression yes, and I said, yes. I'm getting a sense. I had given <laughs> them a homework assignment and they hadn't done it. And I was mm-hmm. like, Hey, I'm just, I'm, I'm getting the sense that you might feel a little bit guilty about not having done the homework assignment. They're like, yeah, how'd you do that? And I'm just thinking like, well, I mean, I've, I, I do this right. really regularly, you know, right. in terms of being able to perceive people's facial exp- expressions. Yeah, um, exactly. and, um, so that I think is, it's it's not a superpower. I right. think that it can feel like a superpower but when you start it. to deploy yeah. it. Yeah, um, you've practiced it, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that that is a it's a beautiful addition um, to the human experience. Because going back to this idea of mind reading and not wanting to um, to read people's minds, um, that's why you invite your partner to mm-hmm. participate. Um, 
But if you are only waiting for your partner to tell you that they're upset or to tell you that they need exactly. something, um, then you're going to find it's really hard to maintain connection. Mm-hmm. Um, some part of you will need to be receptive um, to the intuitive experience that they're not okay um, or that they have some measure of need. Um, so yeah, I, I think it, I think it works a little bit both ways. Like I try to tell clients, like don't read minds. You know, have open mm-hmm. and honest communication with each other, mm-hmm. uh, but also. Um, be as perceptive as you can be and, you know, try to allow your intuition to guide the way that you're going to interact. Yeah, I think um, I've done, yeah, I think my uh, kind of uh, example like yours of working with people, um, you know, I have a whiteboard in my office and I love to use it because it becomes this kind of visual thing Mm -hmm. for my clients to see stuff that we're talking about. And I had somebody come in that said, "I, I have this feeling my you know, my partner's being weird with a cell phone and mm. I feel like something's going on and, um, but, but maybe I, it's just my insecurity. And so I just went to the whiteboard and said, tell me all the things you're thinking and mm. feeling. And it was really interesting because it was like, she could see it on the wall and see the reality unfolding mm. a little bit. So, so it was this way of, you know, refining the intuitive hit yeah. of let's put this all on the board. And she could see, oh, there's evidence to the way I'm mm-hmm. feeling and my objective perspective, too, of, you know, this looks like you could be right here. Sure. Here's why maybe you you should trust this a little bit or investigate a little bit further. And and I think that's kind of this process of of refining mm-hmm. the intuitive yeah. hit. Yeah. And, and developing a sense of trust in the process. So I'm, I'm in a season right now where I'm, I've, I've just started having migraines, um, which is just, it just sucks. So my, uh, my deepest sympathies to anybody out there experiencing migraines. Um, but one of the things, what you're describing makes me think of this idea of, I have no idea. I can give no voice to how something like acetaminophen, Tylenol Mm -hmm. translates to pain relief of a headache. Mm -hmm. Um, and um, at, at some level, there is a, um, there, I, w- I don't know if I'd call it intuition, but there is a sense in me where I say, I'm going to take this medication, and this medication I'm, I'm trusting is going to have some sense of help. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now, part of what you're describing is, um, you're, when you write stuff out on the whiteboard, mm-hmm. it's like saying, okay, um, here's us describing the chemical process of how the chemicals in yes. acetaminophen latch on to the chemicals in your body that create this, this measure of pain relief. Um, and part of what I think that that does is it helps bridge the gap between our intuitive experience, which we've not told ourselves we're allowed mm-hmm. to trust mm-hmm. and the cognitive experience, which we are said we're, we've told ourselves we're allowed to trust. And it says, oh, it's, it's saying the same thing. So if I can, if I can trust this, then I can also learn to trust that. Yeah, um, good. and that's, and there are so few spaces I think, and that's where I think, you know, counseling coaching is such a valuable resource for folks. Yeah. Um, and why we say like, Hey, it would be great to have an objective third party here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting. I think when we mean objective, we mean somebody that's not as emotionally tied up right. in all the things that exactly. we're experiencing. Exactly. When in reality, when you're sitting down with a therapist or a coach, we're bringing it all onto the right. table. Um, you know, we're helping you draw the lines and connect the dots between the way that you think about things and the way that you feel about things. Um, which is, I think why a process like that of saying to somebody, okay, you're, you've got all this feeling stuff that you've told yourself isn't valid. Um, well let's, let's demonstrate how this feeling stuff, um, is the same thing as the non-feeling stuff. And then we can learn to trust the feeling stuff a little bit more. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's yep. 
that's yeah. yeah I think that's all that's the best we can all do yeah. in our relationships right mm. and yeah so I think that we've we've um, spoken to the the need to communicate mm-hmm. um, with one another in our relationships of these intuitive hits and the humility with which I could be wrong but I'm feeling this and that's valid so let's talk about it um, and how are you feeling about that? So the idea of communication, this, um, this idea of trust, trusting your intuitive mm-hmm. hits, trusting the intuitive hits of the part of your partner too, and respecting that their feelings, they're, they're learning to trust their intuition, right, just right. like I'm learning to trust my intuition. Um, and I think the self-worth kind of underlying thing of, uh, your feelings matter and your experience is real and your experience is to be honored yeah. um, with the sense of trying to understand it through talking with trusted sources. This idea of that we all, I think, are born with this deep knowing mm. and we may have had it conditioned away from us a little bit, but we can come back to that and we can know that that is a guide yeah. and it's available as a resource to us. Um, and then I, I think this idea of making intuition part of our bigger uh, reasoning process. This mm-hmm. thinking and feeling is part of being human and um, using both of those senses, if you will, to navigate life is, is, is I think, the important learning mm-hmm. experience for all of us. Yeah, and I, I absolutely think it's, it's, it's the both, right? I think mm-hmm. that um, there's an expression that I in vino veritas the mm-hmm. um that um which truth. is latin yeah for in in wine truth like yes. w- when when you're drunk <laughs> that's you know dr- drunk drunk uh words sober thoughts or something yes. like that um and basically what they're asking me in those moments is like okay so is what my husband said when he was drunk right. um is that how he really feels yeah um, that's, that's and what i will usually say is okay well when you're drunk <laughs> your capacity for reasoning is diminished um, and so really only part of him was able to be present when he was articulating those thoughts. Um, now again, that's, it's still part of him, but there's a reason why when he's not drunk, that's not what he's sharing, thinking, feeling, et cetera. Right. Um, and then the other direction is true too. If you're, if you're denying your emotional experience, um, in favor of the cognitive one, my, my wife is going through a process right now where she's transitioning out of a job that she was in for 11 years mm-hmm. and, you mentioned like shooting on yourself, yeah. this idea of, well, you know, you don't just leave a place that you've worked for for 11 mm, years, you, you know, you're, this, yeah. yeah, the, um, you know, a career as a nurse is more valuable than staying at home with the kids. I mean, there's all this, should, like, yes. there's the, oh, if she's, big. she's denying what yeah. her heart is telling her is true in favor of what the brain is saying. So it's, uh, so I, either of those directions deny our capacity for authenticity. Um, so I think part of what we're saying is, um, so this is the episode where we say, honor your intuitive experience as a part of your most authentic self. Um, There's another episode where we say, um, honor your cognitive experience as a part of your most authentic self. Uh, But you've, but ideally both of them taken together is, is who we really are. Love that. That's that's perfect summation. Yeah. So Ginger, what are you reading, watching, uh, consuming lately that is uh, stirring your heart or mind? Yeah. Um, 
Gosh, so I'm reading Howard Thurman's right uh, Howard Thurman right now, who mm. is an African American um, scholar, reverend, uh, mystic, mm-hmm. and um, you know I'm finding so many uh, words of wisdom in his work, and I kind of gravitated to him because I'm intrigued with this idea of. Um, how the Christian mystics felt the presence of God um, Mm -hmm. outside of organized religion or within organized religion, but it wasn't meeting their needs. And so they kind of needed to um, move from their heads to their hearts in a way in their faith. And Howard Thurman really um, speaks to that in some beautiful ways. But he he has this story of growing up in, um, gosh, I think it was Southern Mississippi. I may be wrong on that. And you know, uh, black people at the time couldn't use funeral homes or mm. have um, bodies prepared for burial. Um, oh. And in his town, some cities had had funeral homes that, um, you know, would do that for African-Americans, but his city didn't have one. And so he mm. remembers as a child, his parents um, bringing his grandfather's body into the home to prepare it for burial. And, you know, and it was just a, yet another kind of just this awareness that I think many of us in our, our white privilege just have no idea how segregation has affected our country and our lives. Mm. And, and Howard Thurman speaks to, um, you know, just really in, in what a beautiful process that was because he encountered death so differently than many mm-hmm. people who kind of have it sanitized in, yeah. in a funeral home, right? And But it really he really experienced the presence of God as kind of this five to seven-year-old watching this process and, and seeing this eternal life meaning something differently to him. So I'm really into that right now in a faith context and, and trying to understand, um, you know, um, I think African spirituality in a whole new way. I just wrote an email on this concept of Ubuntu, mm-hmm. which is the idea, it's an African philosophy of um, I am because you are and you are because I am. And mm-hmm. um, and one, one author explains it as a single finger cannot pick up a a grain, a piece mm-hmm. of grain, right? We, we have to work together. And so this idea of the human experience is a shared human experience. And yeah. if one of us isn't thriving, then none of us are thriving. And the idea of a village taking care of its people um, has been lost kind mm-hmm. of in our self-centeredness. So that's what I'm reading and thinking about. Yeah, wow. What are you? Oh, I'm reading um, Paul Tillich, Ooh, uh, The Courage one. to Be, which is um, imagine the most boring thing you've ever read <laughs> and then make it twice as boring <laughs> oh, <laughs> no 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 good. he's no conceptually it's great <laughs> yes my I agree my with you. my my complaint with all philosophy is that they take you know 400 sentences to articulate what they could probably articulate <laughs> in one and That's honestly so it is i think it is a um it is a it's a defense mechanism like philosophers philosophers write in a way that says i'm gonna make this unassailable to other philosophers i'm defending it as i'm talking right rather than make it accessible to anybody in a useful way so so interesting um, because i've always thought there's a little bit of an arrogance or ego and you're mm -hmm. you just kind of articulated that that's perfect i i yeah so i'm i'm reading paul tillich and i'm thinking like okay like um, this this line was written um, for all the existentialists that are going to argue with him, and this line is written for <laughs> so all the um, the Catholics that are going to argue with him, and just you know, like, and it's and it's and it's at once every I'm listening to the to the book, and I'm thinking once every uh, 25 minutes there's a sentence where it's like, okay, that's the sentence I was actually I'll trying. That that's the point <laughs> you're trying to make, um, rather than all these other refutations. But um, and I'm watching, so that 
book is good. Yeah. Um, and I'm <laughs> reading. Sort of. Um, and then I'm listening, <laughs> watching uh, Community, the TV show. Um, oh, how is that? It's good. I, a friend of mine recommended it, and uh, it took me a long time to get into it uh, for reasons that are probably boring and complicated. But um, basically, it's you know a gr- group of people that are all going to community college together, all sort of different phases of life, all sort of like you know are chapter twoing their mm-hmm. lives. Um, some of them mm-hmm. are younger and are more of chapter one, but um, sort of the I don't know if it's fair to call him the main character, but the character around whom most of the action um, is is um, oriented. Um, is a um, kind of self-centered white guy. Okay. And um, he was so hard for me to care about or root for or, <laughs> or, or, or have any real interest in. And that is either because I am um, just so kind and compassionate and humble and sensible or that's like my shadow self. And so I'm watching. And so, um, but I've, I've found that it, it has some really interesting takes on, on, on media and pop culture and television and, um, and education and, um, you know, just how we form relationships with other people. Um, so I, I think a, a show worth watching if you're into network comedies, um, and, uh, uh, certainly something to explore, but okay, good. So that's where I am today. And I mentioned last week that our listeners would be in for something special because you mentioned an idea that we haven't actually processed with each other. Um, but at some point we'll, uh, so for you listeners who are expecting something special different than what we gave you today, um, it's coming at some point. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, so (laughs) I think, yeah, yeah. So I think that that is, uh, that'll wrap us up on intuition. Um, you can get in touch with me, learn more about my work at, talkingwithjames.com I had to remember my own site and if they want to get in touch with you Ginger they can go to I am at compassionfix.com and we will be back next week uh, Fridays when our episodes come out if you enjoy our show consider leaving us a review rating us uh, or sharing it with a friend Um, things like that help people get connected with our show Um, and we look forward to uh, being back with you soon be well be well